teach us how to truly bear the image of your Son out in this world. And in a time when things feel as though they are falling apart, help us to see you at work, placing all things under your most gracious rule. Amen. Today is the last of our seven sessions on the church in the age of secularism. We have addressed the challenges of both the church as an organization and the church being composed as individuals. Today's last session will help us move our own understanding of what evangelism is and how it works. Personal evangelism is the duty of every Christian. It is not an option. We are all called to have an explanation for the joy and the hope that is in, in us as a result of our relationship with Jesus. All too often, though, we get stuck there. It's scary, you know, talking about our faith. We have our, in our minds images of evangelism involving walking out on the street corner, wearing a sandwich board that says, the end is near. <laughs> You've seen that, right? Or else we think it is going door to door witnessing like Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. Actually, there is a place for street witnessing, and there is a place for door-to-door -door ministry, but most of us are not called that Biblically speaking, that type of ministry is best translated as the Greek word caruso, or proclamation. When we are talking about sharing the good news with our neighbor, it really is not limited, but can include a verbal Remember before I told you the quote that was attributed to St. Francis, preach the gospel at all times when necessary to use words, even though it may not have come from St. Francis. But anyway, there's more than that. It's about what we do. It is how we move then to that last key facet in understanding our place in light of the secular we must move from a church that simply talks about Jesus to one who actually shows him. Or we might say, moving from verbal evangelism to demonstrative evangelism. But first, let us delve a little bit more into what this proclamation or Caruso entails. Paul gives it actually a very clear explanation in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He writes, our prophecy was not with wise or persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but the power of God. So Paul is not discounting the verbal proclamation of faith, but he is saying it has more power when it is coupled with some form of a show, like a living sacramental moment, if you will, that these are not empty. World offers funny and words. So the old phrase, actions speak louder than words, actually holds very true in terms of proclaiming our faith. 
We look at the narratives of the first century church, which we read about in the Acts of the Apostles, we see that this fledgling church is faced with challenges not unlike our own. They are functioning in a world where there is no social benefit to being a Christian. It is even not even advantageous to know another Christian. Gradually, Christian began to be understood as those people who actually show the works of the kingdom by doing acts of mercy. These were the ones in the midst of a corrupt, secular world who fed the starving. These were the ones who adopted orphans who were left in the cemeteries to die. They practiced self-control in speech and in action. All these things worked in a secular culture so well that the church grew at a rate of 3% per year. Proclamation must include a demonstration. Evangelism that works is evangelism that is multi-tiered. It's not simply a word, but an act. We proclaim the word and deed, the good news of God in Christ. But one thing I've noticed is that we are becoming more and more distant from each other in this culture in which we live. Perhaps that's something to do with the advent of internet or cell phones or smartphones, coupling the two things. Lots of people have something to say, don't they? On social media, people often curate how people want to be perceived. It's a shallow projection of who they actually are. All of us want to be known for our best foot forward, but there comes a point when we don't really even know a person. A few weeks ago, I mentioned how we all have a duty to be authentically Christian and to be real about our walk. And some parts of our walk are not all that great. But what we have in the church is a story of people who've been radically transformed. Not that we ever have it all together, but we can turn to each other for solace and strength. In a world that likes to put on airs. Being a real person is part of our own Caruso or proclamation. Let us look at what kind of proclamation did for Paul. You will recall, Saul of Tarsus was a very put-together person. He writes in our epistle lesson for this morning to the Philippians, If anyone has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Talk about what I Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Wow. I think Paul either thinks really high of himself, or he's getting ready to make some sort of social media profile. <laughs> Or he's saying, no, wait here, I've got something for you to emulate. Maybe Paul is setting us up to hear that he, like all the people posting pictures of their best selves on social media, actually are projecting their hollowness. 
writes, whatever gains I have, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. And then, I want to know Christ. He does not say, I already know Christ. He's in a working relationship. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, sings our lady, even Paul. And from this once strong man comes the apostle to the Gentiles. A man whose conscience is seared and only in our brokenness can we really experience God's wholeness. And so today I challenge you to not only talk for faith, but show your faith. Now here's some ideas for how to put sneakers on that idea. Make a surprise dinner for a friend who might be drifting from church. Invite someone that may barely know you to go do something fun. Consider the neighbor on your block that rarely gets a visitor and bring some cookies. Talk about faith, often you need an icebreaker, and that is okay. The demonstration can be the opening part for the verbal part, and actions will always speak louder than words. When I look back on my own life, the people who came to be the fullest expression of what it meant to be engaged in the Christian life were those who shared meals, not just a conversation, or ones who helped me on a project where I was able to share myself and at times my story too. For today, we wind up the series. Here's what I hope you learn. Secularism isn't scary. We're just returning to the way things were when the church began. It's harder work, but it's very much worth it. We have often believed a false narrative. The church can thrive in secularism. It's just that we can't own the culture as we once did. We can all do subversive acts that bring Jesus into this broken little world. We can be gorillas armed with love, the very thing that is so fleeting in our culture. We should expect the kingdom to be here and now instead of expecting us for God to somehow rescue us through some cataclysmic kingdom is very much here and now today. We are called to be rescuers. We are the church, and that is our mission. We are called to be confessors, people ready to show how Jesus lives in messed up people like you and me. And then we live into the support group for messed up people we call church. Not for the event, because Jesus calls us to be organically his body. And if our words are matched now by our actions, the whole experiment will thrive. We just need to be looking for God to do that in our midst. Secularism, it isn't scary. It's our new mission field. God's got this. So do we. Thank <laughs> you.